Welcome back, listeners, to this week's episode of If I Only Knew. Today, I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, once again, Fred, um, and we want to talk a bit about uh, inflation in the modern world. Now, I'm going to throw right to Fred to explain a little bit of why inflation is on our radar right now, because I suspect most of our listeners have been hearing a bit about inflation going on in the world. So, Fred, what's, what's happening right now that means we're talking about this? Well, it's really interesting because one of the things that I look at when we talk about stuff like inflation is the psychological impact of this information out in the world. Mm. When we talk about inflation in Australia at the moment, we're talking about the cost of living getting more expensive. Mm. So basically, we've all heard the stories of the $3 lettuce. We've heard the stories about the $2.20 petrol. Mm. We've heard the stories about power prices going up. And what essentially it means for the the average punter in a non-economic context is we're being told every day that the power of our dollar is less and less Mm. and that the cost of what we need to do to live gets more and more. And at the point when people start to complain about lettuce, you know that's an issue, (laughs) although in the event that lettuce is too expensive, grate a carrot, you know, there are all the, the clever things out there. But it's interesting because since, you know, the the dawn of time, generations have compared the power of money. Mm. And one of the things that you've raised with this concept is the idea of what money means for you versus the comparative value of that money way back when. And I want to give one simple example to kick off your Mm. pending tirade, Matt, because I know how you feel about this, but I remember getting this great dialogue from my father about how you had to own your own home Mm. and how you had to save money and you had to buy a home Mm. and then I asked him many years later what my family home that I grew up in cost my mother and father and he said he did a really good deal and he bought the family home for 2,800 (laughs) pounds right and interest rate, you didn't actually have to, you walked into the bank and said, I've got £200 um, and can I have £2,600 to buy a house? And they wrote it up at the time over the counter, the bank manager bought you in, made your cup of coffee and that was that. And you think, Jesus, are you people like, you know, you should have bought the whole street, you yeah, lazy yeah, bastard. Yeah, yeah. So I think there is this concept of uh that, Matt, is the idea of waste. So we look at the new generation and you go, if I had money like you kids, all the money you waste. Yeah. So tell me about that because I know you've got like a really great focus on this issue. Yeah. Look, I've been really prompted into this because of a couple of, of modern events, right? So we've had this like surge in inflation thanks to COVID and maybe thanks to uh, of the war in Ukraine or whatever. But also, I, I was chatting to my mum just, just a little while ago, and she said to me something like, oh, man, I wish I had as much money as you have when I was in uni. And I, I paused for a moment, because like, I've, I've saved a bit. I've, I've got some money, sure. But I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Then I went online and looked at an inflation calculator, and it turns out that my money right now buys about one-fourth per dollar of what her money bought when she was in uni, which means that... She needed just one quarter of the savings of what I have to ha- for us to have about the same kind of purchasing power. And it just so happens that she did have about a quarter of what I have when she was in uni, right? And so her suggestion that, oh man, I wish I had so much money when I was in uni, actually, because of inflation, means that we had about the same amount of money. Um, and, and I think this is, this is crazy because I think it totally reveals to me that people are 
really, really challenged to incorporate the role of inflation into judging the value of money over time, right? So like there's a classic example of like, oh, what will $2 buy you at a lolly shop, right? Because I feel like my mum would go to the lolly shop with five cents and she'd be able to come back with it with a bag. Now it's got to be $5 to come back with stuff, right? And I think that the idea here for me is that older people... Um, probably in my mind have their expectation of the value of each dollar anchored when they start earning money kind of 20-ish right 20 to 30s is when i believe older people start to have their value for money anchored and then as money starts to be worth less and less per dollar it starts to seem as if young people are just spending more and more money frivolously because they've got all this extra cash and oh man they're so wasteful when in fact perhaps that's just an effort to maintain the same kind of purchasing power in the face of inflation so what do you think about this idea fred that like people as they start to get older um, don't update their sense of the value of money but instead they maybe anchor their value of money because i think that's the more controversial cycle claim that I'm going to make today before I go ahead and talk about how we can address the, the difficulty of grappling with money. Look, I don't know the science behind it, I must admit, but I mm. have to say anecdotally from my experience, I think mm. you're 100% correct. Mm. If I talk to my father about work that I need done around the house and ask him how much he thinks it's worth right. versus what someone would charge, and for example, uh, again, my father will talk to you about renovating a house for $30,000, and I know that's about the going rate for renovating a bathroom. Yeah, now. right, right. Okay. You talk about lollies, and here's my... The, when you said that, the one thing I remember is the Easter show, Matt. Right. Uh, it's called the Ecker in Brisbane. It's called Moomba, I think, in whatever you guys <laughs> call your variation of a show. But when I was a kid, you would get the... Uh, insert out of the paper and you'd circle all the show bags you wanted right, and right. tally up how much money you needed to get the bags with the most lollies in them mm -hmm. and um, bags varied from 50 cents to $2. $2 was an expensive bag. Yeah. So for $100 you could buy out every single show bag with lollies in them and I didn't spend $100 but 30 bucks bought you enough show bags for six months of lollies yeah, yeah. as long as you hid them away. Um, $100 would get you four show bags this year at the Easter yeah. show. And and for those that don't know how they calculate inflation or the cost of living, it is literally a basket of household items and the cost of those items, as I understand it, yeah. over time. And there are lots of things that impact on that value. But my, my great example of that's a fantastic set of comedians called Sushi Mango. A guy's walking into the house with a set of new shoes and his father said, what did you pay for those shoes? And he looks at the receipt and it's a pair of Yeezys or something. Oh, yeah. $340. And he lies to his dad and says $30. His dad gets $30. $30 for a <laughs> pair of shoes. I can take you down the road and get you five pairs of shoes for $30. What are you, a millionaire that you needed new shoes for $30? And I think that's kind of the issue. If you mm. spent most of your life buying shoes at you know $30 a pair... Hmm. then $300 would seem like the most off-the-scale extravagance possible, hmm. and it might still be to an extent, but there's no doubt that a good pair of shoes is no longer $30. No, no. The, the whole point of it is that you do get fixated. So if you said to me, what should petrol be a litre? Yeah. I would say to you that I spent more of my life paying less than a dollar. Mm, mm. And when I see $2 at the Bowser, I literally think, why don't you get a gun and a mask and hold it to my head? Yeah, yeah. 
um, has the cost of production of petrol gone up that much? Well, you know, we don't have to get into that. But <laughs> we also see that there is specific inflation pressures put on certain things. So there is no doubt that the cost of alcohol is irrelevant compared to what you would pay for it versus what I paid for a drink in a bar at the same age yeah. because there's a whole heap of other um, burdens that that carries, like the licensing the you know the the cost of property the the tax on the alcohol mm. you know all of those other sorts of things but let's talk about avocado toast matt the one <laughs> yeah. great what what is it the one great criticism of your generation you avocado toast munching layabouts what's your thoughts on avocado toast matt? well that's right is the symbol of youth extravagance indulgence and uh overall financial irresponsibility i think and it's become a, a real erotic uh, flashpoint i think because i think it started with like a bunch of what i think of as older quite uh to my mind ignorant uh, commentators uh crit criticizing people for their purchasing habits and saying this is why you're poor and i think a lot of young people started to realize hang on this is absolutely absurd um let's see how many avocado toasts it takes to buy a house or whatever which i think is a, a great little calculation um but i was doing a bit of digging into this fred because i was interested in this impact of inflation on our sense of value right and i found this to be a shocking comparison because when we look at a young person spending twenty dollars on avocado toast like this seems or sounds like a lot of money to some of these older commentators. They're like, man, that's so extravagant. That's so much money to just spend on brunch. God, you shouldn't be spending money like that on brunch. Make it at home. And look, maybe, sure. But let's like reframe this, this question of $20 on avocado toast to just talk a little bit about what that $20 on avocado toast would have cost for these older generations that are making these comments in 1980. Because in 1980, $1 in 1980 was worth $5 now. So this means that $20 on avocado toast is the equivalent of spending $4 on avocado on toast purely because of inflation, right? So this means that if uh, someone is willing to spend $20 now on avocado on toast, that's as if these older commentators were spending $4 on it in 1980. Now, and if we want to live in a society that like maintains standards of living and maintains the purchasing power of people's money over time, then I would think we'd want people who could spend $4 on brunch in the 1980s to be able to justifiably and comfortably spend $20 on it in the modern world. Um, so this, I think this is like a really interesting framework in which inflation can serve to explain um, the way people seem to feel like um, everyone or like young people are being very extravagant with their money. Um, because it seems to older people that this is a crazy amount. Because if, if, if their price point is anchored in the 1980s, it sounds like they're spending five times what they should spend on brunch. Because it sounds like the expectation is, oh, it should be about 4 or $5 on, for, on brunch. But in fact, this is just because we haven't adjusted for the increase in the purchasing power, or the decrease rather, the purchasing power of the dollar. Um, and so this huge price tag, this ostensibly huge price tag is just an effect of inflation. Now, like the economy is complicated and, and it's it's really tough to just say, oh man, $4 then is worth 20 now sort of thing. Um, but I think that we can still very comfortably say like in a society where we want people to be able to maintain their purchasing power, uh, where we don't want the passage of time to erode savings, um, then I think that we can see that it's probably a, a worthwhile thing to be able to look back on the past and go, 
hmm, it's actually reasonable to spend $20 now because I was willing to spend $4 in the past. Um, it's interesting when you say that, Matt, because one of the challenges I would have to the psychology of you kids waste money. Mm. And every generation that's ever been born will hear that. Yes, you exactly. Kids waste, right? So one of the thoughts that I have is really interesting. It's the cost of certain things that are a lot less than they were in mm. 1980. I was yes. six years old in 1980, by the way. Um, but can I tell you, you know, if you were ringing overseas in 1980, you were talking really quickly yeah. because that call was $30, $40. And in today's money, we're talking about a brief call to Europe might have been the equivalent of $1,000 today. Mm. And people mm. that are telling kids that they waste money were making those calls. Whereas now with uncapped plans and international calls and stuff, I can ring and communicate with relatives overseas mm. o- over the phone if I choose to for cents in the dollar, mm. okay? I have a capped plan. Mm. So telecommunications is a lot cheaper. We're both talking to each other on computers. Now in 1980, businesses would have had computers. Mm. But the cost of the technology and the processing power of that, if you magnified that to today's standard, it'd be like spending $10,000 on a basic desktop. Mm. Somebody did that in today's environment. If they were spending more than four or $500 per unit, you know, they'd lose their head. Mm. You know, we're not talking about NASA here, mm. if you know what I mean. Exactly. So whilst there is this concept of inflation and this concept of value and this concept of young people being wasteful, the reality is probity or parity rather is the word I'm looking for. The parity of a dollar, whilst it's getting more expensive, the other thing that they don't talk about is wages. Hmm. So when I started work, Matt, I'm going to give you a number here and it's going to blow your mind. Yeah. The first graduate job I had in 1990-something I was clutching at my left arm when I was told I was going to be paid the princely sum of $28,000 because I could buy a unit yeah. based on twenty eight grand. Yeah, okay? yeah. Like, wow. What? Now, graduates that are coming into our business at the moment, and this has been a challenge for me, when they ask for a market rate yeah. and I say, how much do they want? Yeah, yeah, what are these yeah. people going to drive to work in an armoured car? Yeah. Get out of town. What the... My 28000 would translate to probably about sixty-five now, which is about an average graduate salary. Yeah, yeah. Right? So even though the numbers have gone up, and at some point there might be a tipping point with this, and we see it in house prices where everything's worth a million dollars plus. When I was a kid, a million dollars meant you never need to work again. Yeah, yeah. And I hope that there are people when I was a kid that didn't actually stop working if they had a million dollars because <laughs> they'd be on the bread line yeah, right now. Yeah. But. So I think there's this concept that comes with each generation thinking, and it's not even really about money. It's about waste and it's about discipline. Yeah, yeah. You know? But I, again, take it back to the example of my father where I sort of think, you dumbass, why didn't you buy every house Mm. on the street? Mm. Because the equivalent of that 3,000 pound is still not what a house costs you today. No, no, exactly. So that the, the the benefit he would have gotten for buying more early was huge. So it's almost like you could turn back the time and say, mm. the generations before us that wasted their opportunity. Mm, yeah. We're the ones that are actually paying <laughs> the most for stuff. 
why didn't they do better with the opportunity they had? That's a good reversal, Fred. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Well, it is. I think the, the, the wage growth question is like the political question here, right? And I think it's definitely the, the motivating factor for this discussion for a lot of people because it's de- deeply about fairness to me, right? Because if if the value of a dollar has decreased by five times since 1980, if it's just worth 20 cents now than when it was worth a dollar in 1980, that it feels like to ensure that people can buy the same amount of things, then wages should have increased five times since then, right? Um, now... I think that's a whole nother podcast for us to talk specifically about whether or not that has happened, the impacts of different specific kinds of prices. As you've talked about, house prices certainly haven't uh, have, have well exceeded wage growth. Maybe other technological innovations have made other things have like really fell below wage growth in the in the um, price growth of them, so they're much cheaper. Um, but I think the the very specific point that like I've I've been blown away by here is the kind of psychological and perceptive point here that says like people really struggle to wrap their heads around what price change means over a lifetime. And so I think that like I want to show that when we look at money now, our perceptions are skewed by the value of that money when we were first growing up. So I think I want to I want to kind of push this home with my very specific like heuristic that I want to incorporate into my own life and I really encourage maybe older people to to um, take this on board as well and see if they can apply this just next time they go shopping or something right because if $20 on avocado on toast would have cost $4 in 1940 it would have cost $10 in 1995 right so if you if you go back and look at a price right now and you divide it by five then you get the price that it would have cost in 1980 and if you divide it by two you get the price it would have cost in 1995 and i think that gives us a really strong grasp on how prices change what things were worth and what they are worth now and i think that could be a really valuable way to try and bridge some of what i think is this generational divide around like judgment and like moralizing as you've kind of pointed out fred exactly yeah and and i think we can kind of bridge this by saying hmm let's actually bring this back down to the kind of specific numbers the details actually this is a perception problem rather than a material problem of people saying oh you're spending so much money when in fact if we if we have this simple heuristic and because it's something that you can't do naturally right you have to have the numbers in front of you you need to be able to say money now divide it by five to get money in 1980 right you have to have that tool in your toolbox um, money now divide it by two to get money in 1995 if we can do that and we can practice that, I think that would re- be like a really positive impact on our like generational discourse around a dinner table or whatever. Because if your kid goes, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm got a real bargain today on my shoes. I, they were 50% off. I got them for a hundred bucks. And your first instinct is to go, what the fuck? You spent a hundred bucks on shoes. Well, if you were buying shoes in 1980, that's the equivalent of spending 20 bucks on shoes, which seems like a decent deal in 1980 to me. Um, and so I think that if we can, if we can incorporate this into our like repertoire of interpersonal relationships and the way we understand like prices in our daily lives, I think we'd actually see like a, a really um, strengthening in this discussion. And what it does at a very base level is challenge the notion or assumption of entitlement and waste Mm, mm. which is the hallmarks of the millennials the new generation coming through now and i have to say and i do say this with no humor at all despite the the parity between now and 95 and 85 and 75 and all the way back truth is that the generation that comes after you will find it hardest in human history Mm. to get what the generation before me took for granted. Mm. Mm. 
Now, there are lots of different levers that we could pull to make that easier. We could stop certain investment in the housing market, but people won't want to do that because their property yeah. becomes worthless. Yeah. We could open up lots of land, but people won't want to live there because it's too far from X, Y, Z. The reality is we've got to, we've got to get past the idea of adding a sense of entitlement because part of why people believe generations are entitled is they're stuck in this frozen culture of when they went to work. So when I was 25 and I was happy to work for 28,000, mm. you should be happy to work for 32 now. Mm. Well, hang on a sec, that's below minimum wage. Yeah. Um, and who's going to pay rent on 32,000, for example? Yeah. So I, I think it's a really interesting topic and it's a great kind of defense against this idea of entitlement and waste in your generation. Mm. Mm simply because it's not real. Yeah, exactly. And, and the numbers bear it out, but I think they're very counterintuitive numbers. They're things that the human psyche really struggles to engage with, I think. I, I really can't wrap my head around this, and I'm trying as hard as I can to explain it to you and our listeners, Fred. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm scratching at the surface of it being like, shit, is this really how this works? God. Mm. My Look, I grew up in a fruit shop, Matt, and I have spent... Um, many years of my life hearing people complain about the cost of things, right. beans in particular. <laughs> yep. My favorite was every summer when someone would come in and see mangoes five for a dollar, yeah. they'd say, in Queensland, they're falling off the tree and you can kick them off the street. Well, go and pick them when you're in Queensland. Don't buy them here if mm. you're going to complain about them. But <laughs> good mango now. I mean, we just had to tail in this discussion it made the news in New South Wales that 7-Eleven finally, mm. after years of pressure on their $1 coffee, mm. has had to double the price exactly. to $2, which must mean that the socks that they filter the dirty water through <laughs> to make that coffee have gotten really expensive. Because I'm telling you this, if you're relying on that $2 cup of coffee from 7-Eleven, you got bigger issues in life than inflation, my friend. <laughs> um, why don't you tap a battery and drink some of the acid? Because, <laughs> Does it taste better, would it, you reckon? Oh, uh, you know, that 7-Eleven coffee, I wouldn't pour it in my eye. You know? <laughs> so, mate, it's a great topic. Thank you for raising it. And I, I want our listeners to think about it. I think Matt's simple sums there of when you're going to accuse somebody, if you're in my generation of waste, you know, halve the value and think about what you spent at, uh, in 1995. Mate, thank you for another Excellent. great episode and a really thought-provoking one of If I Only Knew. And until next week, thanks for listening to If I Only Knew. Great. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment. And in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.